Episode warning, this episode is deep, emotional, and deals with a lot of trauma. Thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome back, everybody. My name is Jamie, and I'm your host of I'll Always Love Me More. And this podcast is all about me, everything about me, things that have happened to me, who I am, things that I'm interested in. This is my little side project just to get to know myself a little bit better and maybe help somebody else along the way. So today I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about something a little bit on the heavy side. I wanna talk about how I got into therapy. Now, this is not the first time that I've attempted therapy. I've actually tried multiple times in the past, but I had never found a therapist that understood me or understood my goals or actually had any good advice to give me. So I just thought that therapy couldn't help me, but I've always believed in it. And if you have never done therapy, I strongly suggest it. I think that's the only thing that propelled me into actually diving deep to figure out who I am and what I want. And I really like everything that I've figured out about myself. It is hard work, and trust me, you do the work when you're in therapy, but there is a light on the other side of the tunnel. So, unfortunately for me, I didn't come across this therapist because I wanted to. I was in a very abusive relationship, and I actually was given a therapist by the detectives in the domestic violence unit. And I want to talk about that before I actually talk about the situation because that is probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life. I had been living day to day in so much grief and hell and turbulence. My whole life was just hell all of the time but it had happened slowly over the course of the years that it just was my life and I don't think I even realized how deep I was and how bad it was and by the time that it got to that point it really showed me a lot when you're sitting there in front of detectives and they're asking you very simple questions and you're responding but you can tell the look on their face is just full trauma based on what you're saying and you actually thought what you were telling them was a normal response that's when it hit me that's when i realized that what i was going through was not normal that not every relationship was like that and that Not every person dealt with that. I really thought that people just deal with things in relationships and that they get hard a lot of the time and you just figure it out. 
but there is a difference between it being hard and fighting for a relationship versus being in a very bad situation. It's really crazy to me because even now sitting here talking about it and it has been years since this happened, I still have a very hard time actually saying that I was in an abusive relationship because it wasn't physical. And I know logically that there are a lot of different types of abuse, but I don't know why my brain still associates that. And that is why I've started this podcast. That is why I have decided to share my story because I believe that talking about it will help me. And if it even helps anybody else, then I think that I've done exactly what I'm meant to do. So this relationship actually started off pretty well. He did everything that I ever thought a man could and should do at the beginning. He introduced me to his family. He bought me flowers. He took me out. He was very kind to me. He definitely spoke highly about me. He was very intelligent. Now, his family loved me, and I loved his family and looking back now, had it not been for how great his family was, I might have been able to see the signs earlier, but I loved them to pieces. And still today, it's hard to talk about it because they are great people. A couple months into dating, his mom actually pulled me aside one day and was wondering how he was treating me and if he was treating me well. And at this point, he was. There was nothing that I could say that was wrong. And so that kind of left me a little bit confused as to why his mom would ask me that when he seemed like such a genuinely nice person. But I didn't think twice about that because there was nothing wrong at that time. Looking back now, that actually should have been my first red flag. The first sign that something was wrong happened months into dating. We were sleeping and his phone kept going off and his phone actually was plugged in right next to my ear. So it woke me up and we had shared each other's passcodes. So we knew how to get into each other's phones. And, you know, I'm thinking it's the middle of the night. Someone's blowing up his phone. Something has to be wrong. You know, there's an accident somewhere. And so I go to see what's going on. And there's a girl sharing all of these naked pictures with him. And this conversation was very, very intense and long. It had been going on since probably since we were just starting to date. Um... It seemed like he was in multiple relationships, to be honest. I didn't really know what to do because, again, this was the first sign that anything was wrong. So I just 
got my stuff and I went home in the middle of the night and I just went home so that I could think about it. He texted me the next morning and he didn't even seem sorry. He kind of had this arrogance about him and it was completely opposite of how I knew him to act. And now I know that that's how things go when you're dealing with a narcissist, but I had no idea what was happening. He told me to come over so that we could talk. And once I got there, that's when it switched all over again. He was very apologetic. He was crying. He was begging me for another chance. It was very foolish of me, but I decided to give him another chance. And that was really my mistake and my downfall because from that moment on, he knew that he could manipulate me and he knew that he could hurt me and not feel bad about it. And so that happened for another three years. <laughs> um, he probably cheated on me more times than I actually could even remember. There's probably way more people than I even know about. And it just got to the point where it was happening so frequently that it was just another thing that was going on. But the thing is, the more that it happened and the longer that I was in that relationship with him, the more aggressive he got verbally and the more every time that it happened, it became my fault somehow. By the end of it, he was actually cheating on me with people that he was telling them about me too. And I will never forget reading these messages. He actually told this girl once that he was cheating on me with her because I was ugly and he was really embarrassed of being with me. And so it made him feel better to be with somebody else. There was actually at one point girls that hated me um, only because I was his girlfriend and I'm not sure what he was saying about me, but I was actually the best thing that ever happened to him. And I am actually way better looking than he is. And he is lucky that he was ever in my presence. So it's pretty funny that he cheated on me saying that I was ugly. But you know, people have to say what they need to say to make themselves feel better. He just constantly put me down and broke me down to the point that I just didn't say much anymore. I was so sick of fighting. I was so sick of living in chaos that we just didn't speak. Anything he did, I just let it roll off my shoulder because it was easier to deal with the repercussions of his actions than to actually talk to him and be screamed at by him. And so a lot of stuff happened throughout those years. And then we moved in together. And I know what you're thinking, why, oh, why did you ever move in with a man like that? But like I said, when you're in it, you don't even realize that the situation that you're in is poor. It's just your life. And you make the best out of your life with what you have in that moment. And so that's where I was at that point. 
hindsight is definitely 2020 because I even hear what I say out of my own mouth now and I cringe because that would never be me now. So we move in together and like I said before, this man was a huge liar and he lied about everything. So I didn't know a lot about him. I actually didn't know that he was broke. He played that off very well. I didn't know that he just never paid any of his bills. He was not responsible. He barely ever even got out of bed, didn't care about work, called in sick all the time. All of these things that you find out about somebody when you're really in their presence. And it was all stuff that I did not like. And again, I was stuck. So I ended up paying for everything and over exhausting myself to make everything work. And I just kept working more partially because I was paying for everything, but also because I just never even wanted to be home, to be honest. When he was very unhappy, which was 99% of the time, things went one of two ways. Either he was screaming at me or in my face, or he would give me the silent treatment. And honestly, he loved doing that. He loved the way that it hurt me when he was silent, when he ignored my existence. Imagine living in a home with somebody and it's just the two of you and they pretend you don't exist. It is wild and I had never, ever been in a relationship like that before. Every single person that I had dated before him was kind of really obsessed with me. And so I had the opposite problem where I wanted more space and I wanted more free time to be myself because they always wanted to be around me. But this man could look right through me as if I was a ghost and I could be speaking to him and he would pretend that I wasn't there and just walk right by me. Another thing that I discovered when we moved in together that I had no idea before then was that he was actually a very bad alcoholic. And I mean alcoholic by terms of alcoholism, not a person that enjoyed drinking for fun. This man had a problem and it was very apparent when he was in my space all of the time. And it was very dangerous and it gave me a lot of mental anxiety and trauma because he would do things that were very harmful when he was drinking. And again, he would have this look on his face of how excited it made him. It kind of creeped me out a lot because it's kind of in my mind the face that a serial killer would have when he's killing his victims, like the enjoyment of it. So this man would go and drive drunk and get a kick out of it and then text me to tell me that he was doing it so that I was upset and I would try to solve the situation, try to find him, try to get him to stop. And he would do it because he knew it hurt me. And that is crazy to me that he was willing to put his life and others in danger just to hurt me. 
And honestly, I didn't even know it then, but I would later on find out by the police that this man didn't even have a driver's license. So not only was he driving drunk, but he was driving drunk in a vehicle that was in my name without a license. I say all of these things now, so matter of fact, but it's been years and all of those things gave me nightmares for years. One thing that was a positive out of this is that his father and I had grown really close and his dad was very overprotective of me and his dad was a lovely man and we just bonded so well. He used to tell me all the time how I'm the daughter he never had and how proud he was of me. And I really, really loved him. I get quite emotional talking about his dad because I just really appreciated that relationship with him and how much he was there for me through it all. And so when I would have serious issues with his son, I would call him and he would always come over to save me. He knew how his son was and he would drive right over. It didn't matter if it was 3 p.m., 3 a.m., he was always there. So as things continued to escalate, his dad actually pulled me aside one day and said, Jamie, if you ever fear for your safety, you call the cops. I know this is my son, but you do what's best for you and you call the cops. A little background about me is that I actually have a lot of police officers in my family. And so I never thought that I would A, be in the situation or B, ever actually need the police or call them because I just never wanted my family to be involved in anything of mine. I'm a very private person and so I always tried to deal with my own situations my own way, hoping that I could just figure it out and solve it. When I say that it was getting progressively worse, I mean it. And there are so many scenarios that pop up in my head and too many to discuss right now. But he would just get me in these situations where I wouldn't know how to act anymore. And I would just be screaming because it didn't matter what I did. Again, he would pretend I didn't exist. And it wasn't until years later I found out that that is a very normal response. But for people that know me and knew me before this happened, I don't scream at people. I'm pretty calm. And even when I'm mad, my reactions are either I'm never going to talk to you again and you can go on about your own way or I will tell you like it is and I'll put you in your place and then we're dealt with but I don't scream at people. He would get me to that point and he would do it on purpose because he would wait until I was very, very, very aggravated like that and then he would record me. I remember there were times where he would record me screaming at him so that he could send it to his friends and family and he blasted out an email to almost everybody in our lives 
so that they thought that I was the abuser in the situation. And his family, of course, knew that that was not the case. But other people, his friends, thought I was crazy and thought it was all my fault. I know you're thinking, Jamie, why wouldn't you just break up with him then if you were so unhappy in a situation like that? Well, I can tell you if you've never been in a mentally manipulative relationship, it's not easy. Like I said, you don't even realize you're in that situation. But I actually had tried to break up with him multiple times. Um, there was once where we had broken up for a couple months. He found out I was seeing somebody new. He came back and was his charming self again, promised that he would give me the world and that all of our problems were done and over with and that he couldn't live without me and yada, yada, you know, and he was able to have great conversation then. This man was very intelligent and he knew exactly what he was doing and I fell for it. That was the first time. Um, There were multiple times that I tried to break up with him. Too many to count. But the thing is when you try to break up with somebody who is mentally unstable, it doesn't really work out in your favor. There was one time where he went out drinking and drinking and driving And when he got home, I was just so angry at him for doing that. And I told him that I was over it and that I was done and that I wanted him to move out. And without even looking at me, without saying anything, he just turned around and walked out. And I waited a couple seconds to see if he would come back and say anything. And... I realized that he had walked into our garage and he actually tried to hang himself in our garage and I walked in on this and of course, you know, yelled at him and screamed for him to stop. And again, he did this just to hurt me. He was never actually going to do it, but he knew how it would make me feel and so i couldn't break up with him it was always situations like that that he would put us in or that would come up where even if i wanted to get out of the situation i couldn't there was another time that I told him that it was over and I needed him to move out and I was trying to give him a good timeline of finding places and being able to move his stuff out and, you know, to do things normally. And instead of actually agreeing to that because he clearly didn't want to be with me anyways, he called in sick to work for two weeks every single day so that he could hold me hostage in my own home. These incidences happened over the course of months where I tried to break up with him and tried to ask him to move out and he wouldn't. And I was starting to lose hope. I never thought that there was gonna be a day where this was not my reality. And I tried to just make the best of it. 
tried to deal with it as best as I could. But one day I had just had enough. He left for work. I told him I changed the locks when he left, and I did, and told him to never come back. I told him that he could contact me when he wanted to come and get his things, and we could do it through a third party. But I knew if I had ever let him back into the house, that I would never, ever get him back out. I knew that. I knew him so well. And so that is what sparked the incident of what ended up in me calling the police. I told him not to come back. He decided he was going to anyways. And he came and kicked my door in. Mind you, he lived with me. This wasn't our place. So I was fully in all of my rights to tell him to get out and to change the locks. Um, But yeah, he kicked the door in. And again, the look on his face when he was physically kicking my door in. I will never, ever, ever forget the evil that I saw in his eyes. And I will forever be traumatized by that. So I called the cops and they showed up and they were miraculous and... Again, when you're in a situation like this, you actually don't even realize how much this weighs on you. And one of the police officers that showed up was a younger guy, and he was so genuinely nice to me. And he pulled me aside and just looked right in my eyes and asked me if I was okay. And I think that was the first time that I really realized that people believed me. There's this thing that happens when you're in a relationship like this that unless you've been in this situation, you can't understand. And that is that they are terrible to you as a partner, but to everybody else in their life, they're really nice. And so no one really truly believed that I was living this. No one really cared about what I had to say because they thought I was being dramatic. And even after all of this, when I would speak to people that knew both of us, they would say, I just don't believe it. He's just such a good guy. So the police were at my house and they ran his driver's license and his name. And that is when I learned that this man did not even have a driver's license. And there were things on his record that I knew nothing about. And I just wanted to die and melt right into the floor because I really realized that I didn't even know the person that was sleeping in the same house as me. So he actually evaded police for two weeks and again called in sick every single day so that they wouldn't come find him at his work and he just made it as hard as possible. And finally, his brother actually convinced him to turn himself in. And I was very thankful that his brother did that because every single day that he hadn't been found, I was in fear. I couldn't sleep. I didn't eat. I was still working every single day, but I was terrified that he was going to come back. 
And even though I had a restraining order on him, that didn't matter because it's actually stupid, but they have to physically hand the person the restraining order so that they know that they have a restraining order. And if they aren't physically handed that order, then it isn't even active. And so he could have shown up here any day and he would have still been in all of his rights to do so because the restraining order wouldn't have been activated yet. And so I was scared. I was very scared. My sister actually had her boyfriend sleep outside of my house in his truck just in case he came back. And he did that multiple times. And I was really appreciative of it, but I still was really scared. So then he turned himself in and I heard later from people that he made a joke of the entire thing of him being arrested and ended up telling people that the only reason he ever got arrested was because I had family in the police department and not because he had actually done anything. And like I said, he was nice to everybody but me. So that was easy for his friends to actually believe. And side note, not that I actually need to clarify this, but my family's police department was completely different jurisdictions, so they were unrelated totally. So he was also given his restraining order and shown all of the things that he was not allowed to do anymore. And there was a specific parameter around my house that he was not able to be in. And he showed up in my house multiple times after that anyways. I think he really got a kick of how much it really scared me and how traumatized I was. And he quite honestly thought all of this was funny. There were times when he tried to show up and tried to put the code into my lock to figure it out so that he could come in knowing I was home and knowing that that would really bother me, but a restraining order is just a piece of paper. I would have had to prove that he was actually there. And even if I had called the cops by the time that they had got to my house, he would have already left. So I got this therapist and she is phenomenal. Shout out to her if she ever hears this. And she helped me through so much. And she not only gave me my life back, but she really gave me a sense of purpose. And she really helped me see situations differently. She helped me identify that I actually had always in my life lived in survival mode. And I didn't know that. And it all came crashing down in this one situation. And I'm not going to go into that now because I want to do a separate episode on that entirely. But just know that therapy helped me. If I hadn't been pushed into therapy and I hadn't found this wonderful woman, I probably would have never slept a day in my life ever again. I still do have insomnia and I still do have nightmares, but it's not every night. 
And so I am very happy about that. And I am very thankful for her and everything that she has helped me through. One thing that took me a very long time to process and get over is the physical door that he actually kicked in that night. I didn't go in and out of the entrance of my home for probably six months. I didn't even clean up the glass for a couple months. I think I just left it. I think I just pretended it didn't happen. And my dog and I, we just didn't go into that area in the home. I always constantly went in and out of the house through my garage. I never looked at the door. I actually didn't even notice that his blood was on my door until months later because like I said, I didn't even go to that part of the home. Um, And so when I did finally clean up the glass and start using that door as an entrance to my house, that was a huge step for me. And it is small things like that that you have to count as victories because they might seem like they're really small, but they are huge. Even now, years later, there are still things that really trigger me and things that I just can't even explain to people how and why it bothers me. And unfortunately, this actually affects how I date now in the present because I have a lot of trust issues and it does make me nervous that if I do get into anything with anyone, once you are in deep, they could become any person. For a long time, I dealt with panic attacks and nightmares and all of the trauma responses that you would expect from a situation like that. Um, I also cannot see someone calling my phone on no caller ID and not have a trauma response because he would do that even after he had a restraining order in his presence. He would call me no caller ID again and again and again and again, sometimes all night. And so therapy helps me with that a lot. And honestly, even if you are somebody who doesn't have trauma, but like, let's be real, who doesn't, maybe not to this extreme, but everyone has their own issues. But even if let's say you've had a perfect life and everything has gone your way, you could still use therapy as a tool to help you. And so I am always pro-therapy. I'm always pro-trying to find the right therapist to match you. And now that it's years later, therapy has switched. It's less of a trauma therapy and more of a personal goal therapy. I actually was never even thinking about doing a podcast until my therapist suggested it. I've always been really good with my words and I've always been really good with writing. I've always been a writer. I've always loved writing stories and poetry and I love language itself. I love writing songs and I love everything to do with just the manipulation of words in a sentence. And so she had actually suggested this. And it really was a great idea. And so here we are now. I'm podcasting 
and I am doing double duty. I'm doing therapy and I'm podcasting. And so I hope that you guys are able to understand this and appreciate that I have opened up and shared my story today. And I'm sure that more will come out in other episodes when it relates to the topic. But this has been enough heaviness for now. And so I'm going to end this episode here. But I hope that everybody has a great day. And I will see you on the next episode. Hey, I'll always love me more.